Hello and welcome back to Classic Vinyl Podcast and for our second episode of Quadrophenia. I'm Justin, one of your hosts. I'm here once again with my other host, Tyler. Hello again. And our special guest host, my son, Austin. Hey. So, of course, last week we did the first vinyl, both sides of that, of Quadrophenia, and we're here to do the second one. Part two. Part two. So let me give you a little recap on the album. Of course, we're doing this for the 50th anniversary of the release of this album, which was released on October 26th of 1973. It is The Who's sixth studio album, produced by Kit Lambert and Chris Stamp, The Who Managers, along with Glenn Johns, produced a couple songs, Is It In My Head and Love Rain Over Me. Of course, Glenn Johns famously produced some of the Beatles and a lot of other bands. This is The Who's third rock opera after their mini rock opera, The Quick One, While He's Away, and Tommy. And this is the only Who album entirely composed by Pete Townsend alone. So it's about a working class mod named Jimmy. He struggles with his four different personalities, which we have learned that the four personalities represented by Roger Daltrey, Pete Townsend, John Antwistle, and Keith Moon in song. And this album reached number two in both the U.S., U.K., and Canadian charts, which is kind of crazy, like we talked, because it didn't yeah. really have any hit singles off of it. Yeah, but the, also for them to be the same. Like, we, we don't see that very often, where it does the same in the U.K. as it does in the U.S., as it does in Canada. Yeah, it generally does really well in one or the other. Yeah. And moderately well in... The other one, but not quite yeah. as well as it does in one. And it, it, we see it go all across the board. You know, it yeah. could do better in the U.S. or U.K. There's You never can figure it out, right? But these guys just seem to unify the world. Well, and here's the deal. We won't even talk about roll, where Rolling Stone ranks this like we did in the first episode. Well, because they don't matter anyway. I'm irritated. Yeah. Now, now this album sold one and a half million copies worldwide, which it is certified platinum in the U.S. by the RIAA. But compared to Tommy that sold 20 million albums, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Now, I personally think this album outshines Tommy tenfold, but that's my opinion. Now, I have heard them both live, mm-hmm. and live Tommy is much better than the album. Well, I'll tell you something. This is a much better album than Tommy, but a much worse movie than Tommy. <laughs> I, I could actually agree with yeah. that. They did They did release the film version of Quadrophenia in 1979, and even yeah. though we both think it's not that great of a <laughs> movie, it was a commercial and critical success as yeah, a movie. people loved it. Yeah, now there's been several versions of Quadrophenia released over the years, and like I said in the first episode, I own them all because I'm a sucker of a completist for certain bands, most especially The Doors, The Beatles, and The Who, so... I've got a habit, and they, they've released several different versions of remixes, demos, outtakes, things like that. And they're all good albums, but I really like sticking to the original because it's it's great. Yep, so that's what we're reviewing. And we did talk about the cover photo in the first episode, if you want to go back and hear that. So do you guys want to get to side one of Vinyl 2? So side three? Yeah, but we only have a marker for side one, so we're okay. just going to call it side one. Yeah. Side one. Okay, so side one opens up with 515, another song written by Pete Townsend, and it's actually sang by both Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend. Now, this song was released as a single in the UK. It reached number 20, and when it was re-released in 1979, when the movie came out, it reached number 45. I don't think there's a lot of songs that you know, can hit the top 50 in the charts six, seven years apart. Kind of crazy. They did pretty good, yeah. But number 20 doesn't seem very high to me. I mean, this is a really good song. Now, 
This song features Chris Stanton on piano and once again, Ant Whistle on French horn. And this song is talking about Jimmy. He's taking that train to Brighton all while consuming many drugs and substances. He's drinking heavily. He's thinking about his life with the mods and their duels with the rockers and all those kind of things. What are your thoughts on 515, Austin? I'm not sure why, but this is the song that comes to mind when I think of Quadrophenia. I think it's a great song, and I'm actually surprised by the the chart numbers on this. I, I agree. I thought it would have been a lot higher. Overall, though, I think it's another song where it's very easy to follow the story, follow the lyrics. And then another one, another part of it, I think, is there's some great guitar from Townsend in this. I think it's a, it's a really great showcase of, of his guitar skills, and I, I enjoy this song. What about you, Tyler? What do you think? Inside, outside, leave me alone. I love that line. And it's so indicative of what's going on in in this rock opera where we're at here is um, we've got Jimmy heading down to Brighton. He's just so sick and tired of all the voices inside his head screaming and all the voices on the outside they're screaming. So he's just like, hey, all of you people inside, all you people outside, just leave me alone. And he's just he's trying to find some peace. So, uh, it, but his world's also coming apart and he's just like, well, why should I care? He's been kicked out of his parents' house. You know, he's losing every, he's lost everything. He's just looking for some sort of reprieve. So this song, I think a lot of people that have been through that, um, that struggle of growing up and finding your footing, they know that, that they can relate to it. That it will resonate with them. What do you think, Justin? Do you think Jimmy has ever looked far enough inward to realize maybe maybe his drug and alcohol problems are his problems? He likes it. Yeah. I mean, the song starts <laughs> out, you know, with a nice piano intro and a, a really good little guitar lick. And it actually starts with Pete Townsend singing, Why Should I Care? And that's actually how the song ends, too, Why Should I Care? So even though Jimmy's making this trip, and we had talked about it, this is kind of his optimistic and is one step forward to do something to get some kind of spiritual unity. Mm -hmm. He's also saying, why should I care? And he's blasted out of his mind, you know, out of my brain on a train on a train. I mean, he's completely out of his brain. The French horn is used once again, really well in here as the piano is, it accentuates the song. And, and like Austin said, this is a perfect song. The bass is amazing in this. The drums are amazing in this. The guitar is amazing in this. This song is put together really well because the lyrics have meaning and it's a really well put together musically song. So it moves us to the next song, Sea and Sand, another song written by Pete Townsend and once again sang by both Daltrey and Pete Townsend. And this one is describing Jimmy's arrival at Brighton and his affinity for the beach in his search for spiritual unity in some sort. It is his spiritual escape, his time to be away from the realities of life and being kicked out of his parents' home and dealing with all these issues that are going on in his head, outside his head, kind of like it foreshadowed in the song before, him really reflecting to himself about his life and lack of love and his inability to fit in with anyone and just all the issues he's having with his split personalities and things like that. And it, it really shows two of Jimmy's personalities in this song, the tough guy and the hopeless romantic kind of playing off of each other. What are your thoughts on Sea and Sand, Austin? It's another great song. Um, the one thing that I like about it is the start of it. I mean, if you close your eyes, you hear the ocean sounds and you hear the seagulls. You you really think you're at the beach, right? You can almost smell it and taste yeah. it. But then all of a sudden, there's some some stronger guitars and drums that kind of take you out of that and take you back to reality. And I think that's a really 
cool part of this song. Again, great storytelling in it, great lyrics. And I also do like how it ties together some other songs as well. It's just a great song overall. What about you, Tyler? What do you think? Yeah, I think that we're at the part of this um, this storytelling where it's starting to, to wrap up. It's starting to tie together and we're starting to get some resolution. And so I think you're right, Austin. They paint a very good picture of that. And using the sounds of the seagulls and stuff, you're right. You can actually taste it and smell it. It's, it's the beach. And uh, there's something very primal about the ocean. When we look at like evolution, that's kind of where we supposedly came from as we had these amoebas that started to evolve into fish that started to evolve into uh, land creatures. And we crawled out of the ocean and uh, became land dwellers. And he's coming to contact with that again. And it's uh, I think it's a really nice depiction of this whole process of trying to gain our footing and trying to become something. He's trying to evolve himself from an adolescent into an adult, but he's also struggling with that, uh, you know, four personalities. He's, he's uh, trying to make it all fit and nothing's fitting. He was trying to, he did everything right. He wore the right clothes. He hung with the right crowd and yet he's still alone at the, at the ocean. He's wondering how he got here. Very frustrated that he's here. What do you think, Justin? Am I just full of it? Well, if he wouldn't have been drunk and stoned on the train, he might know how he got there. Yeah. But yeah, this is a good song. I like the way it opens up with the beach sounds. And what's kind of cool about that is in 73, those kind of sounds weren't just computer generated. You had to go out and find those sounds. And I know reading a little history about it, Pete Townsend had to go out and get the train sounds and the beach sounds and the seagull sounds and things. And I think they did a good job putting that into this. It's got a really nice acoustic guitar intro that's soft and it goes into drums. Of course, they're crazy once again, but crazy in a good way, right? And I really like the Pete Townsend vocal in this one again. And I've said that a few times. And one thing I haven't said is it probably goes without saying, or I think it does, but Roger Daltrey's vocals in everything are strong. I said it from the beginning. I think he's the best rock and roll singer there ever was. But I really like on this album how his and Pete Townsend vocals play off of each other on a lot of songs. And the music kind of moves in a little bit, too. And once again, Pete Townsend, you know, harkens back to the GS scooter. And it's got a great bass line. The bass line and guitar at the end are really amazing on this thing. I like the lyrics on this. I like the picture they paint. You know, my dad couldn't stand on two feet as he lectured about morality. <laughs> Obviously showing that Jimmy has past issues that are still affecting him, right? Yeah. But at this point, is he using that as an excuse or is he going to move on? Nobody really knows. So that moves us to the next song, Drowned. Another song written by Pete Townsend. This one's sang by Roger Daltrey. This song's a little bit different than the rest on this album because this is an older song compared to the rest. Uh, Pete had originally written this song as an ode to Meher Baba in 1970, so a few years previous to the rest of this. And it's simply what Townsend calls a love song. In the context of this album, this is kind of explaining Jimmy contemplating drowning himself in the sea mm -hmm. because he sees the sea as a symbol of redemption or baptism or whatever you want to call it. I don't know why he thinks death is redemption, and maybe that's just what I'm reading into it. Like I said, I think that has to do with the evolutionary thing. I think he's like, well, I want to start over. <laughs> I want to go back to the sea and try crawling out again. And Yeah, it yeah. could. And this song, once again, features Chris Stanton on piano and Jen John Entwistle plays the French horn once again. What are your thoughts on Drowned, Austin? 
I think going back to what Tyler said, you know, about evolution and him going back there um, since it's where humans came from. I think that's a very interesting point, and that's kind of the way that I look at it as well. But I think I think another big part of this is the drums in this, even though it is an older song. And like you said, kind of is it different from some of the rest? I think the drums really give it that uh, quadrophenia feel still. What do you think, Tyler? Oh, I love Keith Moon. This man can drum like nobody can. And you're you're right. The the drums once again, it's a very primal instrument. It, so this whole concept of evolution, and he's like, oh well, my life is all screwed up now. I just want to go back and start over, and not just like go back to when I was a child and start over. You know, trying to live my teens. He wants to go all the way back to when he crawled out of the dang water out of the pond and and uh, try to start over from that. And maybe I'm just reading way too much into it, but that's really what it feels like pete townsend's trying to, to to say is uh that this has such a well and that's another thing is we're talking about adolescent terms i mean how, how many teenagers have you ever met that didn't speak in extreme terms and very exaggerated uh metaphors and that's all this feels like to me is that kind of teenage exaggeration in this metaphor what do you think justin i wondered how this song fit in being an earlier song that probably didn't mean for this album, but it, mm -hmm. it fits in nicely. It's got a piano and drum intro, and I don't know a band that uses more drum intros than The Who. Mm -hmm. And Austin hit that one on the head again. I mean, the drumming in this is absolutely crazy again, but amazingly so, right? It's got great bass line in this thing, especially if you listen to the bass line on the outro to this song. It's amazing. And the French horn, there's kind of a little French horn solo in the middle. Ent whistle plays, and it fits in nicely. The piano fits in nicely. I think it's, you know, in a way to me, and maybe that's because of the research I've done, and I found that this song really wasn't part of the story. It was kind of thrown in a little bit. This is probably the one song that doesn't seem to fit, but I'm probably just imagining that. I mean, it does fit, and if I didn't know that, that he had written it previous, it probably wouldn't seem that way, but... It makes sense. I mean, Jimmy's at the sea, drowned, you know, he sees it as a redemption. I mean, that all makes sense. So probably just more me thinking that than anything, but but great song. So that moves us on the next song, Bellboy, which is the second theme song on the album from one of the band members. And this is Keith's theme, Keith Moon. So this is another song written by Pete Townsend. Now this one's sang by Daltrey and Keith Moon both. This song is explaining Jimmy. He's meeting an old mod leader, Ace Face, who he really looked up to. Told him what he needed to do to battle the rockers and things like that. But he realizes Ace Face is giving up on his music, and he now works at a hotel. It's Jimmy's hero, and the rebel he was supposed to be, it's all a facade, right? He's finding this out, that this was all just bullshit. This is really about Jimmy and his life and all the people he used to look up to. They're really letting him down because he's realizing that they're all phonies or mm -hmm. as he sees as phonies, you know. This is another song where John Entwistle plays the French horn again and Pete Townsend plays the synth and piano in this song. What are your thoughts about Bellboy, Austin? I think this song screams Keith Moon. I think he really uh, <laughs> almost carries this song, not only with his vocals, I think it's a great showcase of uh, his vocals and his vocal range, but I think his drums as well. As, as always, he goes crazy with them. And also, it just tells a great story as well, like like the rest of the album. Probably beating that in here, but <laughs> I really think it, it does tell a great story. And then, like you said, with the French horns and stuff and the synths and the pianos, 
they just blend so perfectly in this song. I, I think it's a really great song. Probably one of my favorites. What about you, Tyler? What do you think? I think that the pianos, the French horns, these are very classic instruments. These are very old instruments. These are things like from the previous generations. And what I love about the way that this has all been produced and put together is that we always have those older voices from the past uh, crying out to us, along with the current voices of the present and the young voices of the future that are also starting to uh, creep up and sprout. And the way that this all plays together, I love the way that they're using these older uh, generation instruments along with the new synthesizer that is just going to take over the future along with the electric guitars and the drums and the the bass and all of these rock and roll instruments of the current generation that's uh that's going to be handing this off to the synthesizer generation the way it all plays together is um so much indicative of the maturing process and what it's all about how it is growing up and then this whole theme of this one i love this song we have that hero worship where have you ever met your heroes <laughs> and you realize, oh, hey, they're just people. <laughs> and so he's he's there with Ace the Face, who, you know, it was fighting the rockers with him. But um, Ace Face, well, he's he's a bellboy. He's just he's got a job. He has a boss that he answers to. He wears a uniform with a name tag, and he's just trying to make a buck because he's got bills that need to be paid just like everybody else. So all of a sudden, he realizes, oh, he you know dresses by putting his trousers on one leg at a time like everybody else. And I love that Keith Moon's got this real thick Cockney accent. It's such a, a common laborer voice. This is the sort of thing that you'll hear like in the east end of London, where the working class people live. And uh, it's so beautiful. But yeah, the the big message of this song to me is everyone, even the most free and rebellious among us, they have a boss. <laughs> you know, even even the, the richest people, even the, you know, high and mightiest, they all answer to somebody. What do you think, Justin? This song, so again, this one starts out with a drum intro shows the whole song going forward, right? I don't think Keith Moon has the strongest vocals by any means. I mean, he's the least ability vocalist on this in this group, but they fit perfect in this and they sound perfect in this, the way he does that. The synthesizer is used perfectly in this. It's got a steady thumping beat with the drums, bass, and the little synth synthesizer going with it that's perfect. I love Pete Townsend's lick on the guitar right before the Keith Moon vocals kick in. I mean, Keith Moon's perfect for this song, and it's a perfect example of your heroes letting you down, or maybe you look at that as you're finally realizing that people are just people. And I mean, it really, this really fits in with the story as it should. I mean, it makes sense. You're following the theme of the story. It's great musically. Keith Moon does this perfect. I love how they use the drums as the intro and throughout the song. I mean, this is Keith Moon's theme, so it fits perfect. It's an amazing song. My kids always loved this song when they were younger. We'd blast it in the car, and they just thought when Keith Moon first come on, it was the funniest damn thing ever, listening to him sing. But it, but it fits this perfect. He's just a dork that yeah. used to be this big leader that everybody looked up to, and now he's just a regular guy trying to pay his bills. 
kind of proud of it, but he's got to run, you know? Got to keep that lip button down. Can't yep. go mouthing off the customer, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so great song. That 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 ends out side one on uh, disc two. So should we go to side two? Yep. Or yep. side four? Side two. So side two of vinyl two opens up with Dr. Jimmy. And this actually has John Entwistle's theme in it, Is It Me? And, which kind of harkens back to Is It In My Head in a way. So this one's written by Pete Townsend and sang by Daltrey. This is the longest song on the album, a little over eight and a half minutes long. Now, this is basically written explaining Jimmy hitting his rock bottom. He's been dragged down by the drugs and all the drinking he's doing and his apathy in his life. You know, I mean, he's at his rock bottom. He feels like he's been abandoned by everyone and everything and he's finally having a mental breakdown between his four personalities. And it really reveals the depth of Jimmy's struggles. And this really sets, this song especially, sets the stage for the exploration of his journey to come. And so what are you thinking about Dr. Jimmy, Austin? I think it really does set the stage for the final side of the album. I think it's a very deep song, probably one of the deepest on the album. It's I know it is eight and a half minutes, but they do pack a lot into those eight and a half minutes. It, it tells a great story and just sets a nice tone. What do you think, Tyler? Oh, absolutely. This um it's really starting to wrap up here and this is I felt so bad, you know, John poor John and Whistle. <laughs> you know, this is his theme is this big battle like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde moment where you've got Jimmy really trying to take charge of him himself, his destiny, but uh Jimmy has this big battle raging inside between his super ego and his id and he's trying so hard to not just give in to every impulse, but boy that that side of him that throw that side of him that just is so impulsive and throws caution to the wind and does whatever it feels like it's so powerful if he's dealing with, if this is a mental illness he's dealing with it's incredibly powerful and it's uncontrollable but he's trying so hard to control it there's some lyrics in here where he's like well who is she i'll rape it <laughs> and he's talking about rape well rape's about control Jimmy's losing control. <laughs> so you know yeah nobody's safe at this point and then you get this like this triumphant fanfare that's also juxtaposed to this very soft um strumming that they get going on with the music so you're getting this from all angles not just the lyrics but also the instruments are telling the story again it's boy, this is just a masterpiece i love it what do you think justin well i think you pretty much hit it on what the lyrics mean i mean jimmy's mucked up yeah. right this is really his bottom He's he's at rock bottom on this. As far as the song goes, I mean, another song that has an absolutely amazing bass line in it and the drums. I just put drums with a smiley face next to it because what what can you say? I mean, yeah. if if there's another theme in this album besides the actual theme of Jimmy, it's the bass line. And if there's another one besides that, it's certainly damn well the drums. I mean, there's no doubt about that. In this, it kind of sounds to me like Jimmy actually handles his drugs better than he handles his alcohol. Because, you know, Dr. Jimmy doesn't come out when he takes his pills, but he but he does come out when he drinks his gin. So Jimmy's apparently a little more calm on drugs than he is on alcohol. He's a bad drunk. Yeah. Is the way I'm that? taking that. So <laughs> or maybe he's just bad all the way around. Mm. I mean, Dr. Jimmy comes out when he drinks his gin, and I don't know if that's when Dr. Jimmy wants to do his raping or what's going on, but this really is 
like both you and Austin said, a really revealing song of the depths of his mental struggles. I mean, it's it's pretty rough. So that moves us to the second or maybe the third instrumental on the song, The Rock. It basically, about The Rock, he's journeying to out in the middle of the Brighton Sea, right? So it's it's this is another instrumental written by Pete Townsend. I mean, there's no lyrics on it, obviously, as an instrumental. What are your thoughts on this song, Austin? I don't think it necessarily stands out to me a lot. I mean, I think it's necessary for the album. It's a, it's a great song, but it's just not one of those that stands out to me as much. Maybe maybe it's because I do enjoy hearing the lyrics and the vocals, but overall, still a great instrumental. What do you think, Tyler? I think I completely agree with you. We've been robbed of Roger Daltrey. Absolutely. We, yeah. I mean, all, we've got everybody else there in the band, but poor Roger. We don't get him in this song, and so I, I miss him. But boy, excellent instrumentals. These are just masterfully played instruments, and uh, so it sounds really good. But boy, I miss Roger, and I like uh, hearing him tell us a story. What about you, Jess? Well, I think, you know, once again, I mean, any instrumental from The Who, yes, you're missing that key, key part of the best rock vocalist, or even Pete Townsend, or even... Even, you know, John Entwistle or Keith Moon Even Keith Moon. You know, (laughs) but it's got amazing drumming on it. And this song is kind of an underture as opposed to an overture. So on on Tommy, they did an underture as well that kind of shows back to things. And this one kind of whispers of the next and last song, which is Love Rain Over Me. The synth is used in this song real well. All the instruments are used in this song. It's an excellent instrumental, without a doubt, but just as easily could have had a theme and lyrics put to it. But it fits in, you know, and it's really hard for me to not have that song on here because it's it's the perfect mm-hmm. in between Dr. Jimmy and the last song. And I it just can't be missing because it fits yeah. so well. It's a bridge. It, it really yeah. is. So that moves us to the last song on the album, Love Rain Over Me. Now, this one is the fourth and final theme song. This is Pete Townsend's theme, and once again, written by Pete Townsend and sang by Daltrey. And I will say this, and I have this in the notes, is I think this is one of Daltrey's very best vocal performances in The Who. The way he screams so controlled and it it fits in. And little history about this is he actually went in and recorded the vocal after the song had been recorded and nobody was there. He didn't want anybody messing with him. He didn't want to take Pete's bullshit, playing about him doing this, and he laid down the vocal, and everybody loved it because it's strong. I've actually heard this vocal track alone without music. You really need to hear it because this shows Roger Daltrey's strength. You know, when we've compared Roger Daltrey to Robert Plant before, and Robert Plant's hard to hard to hear or hard to understand, I should yeah. say sometimes. And Robert Plant, as much as I love him and Led Zeppelin, his vocals do wear on you. I. I have a hard time listening to a double album of Robert Plant because his vocals are very ear-shattering, I guess is yeah. the way to put it. As much as I like them, mm-hmm. they are. You know, now this song was released as a single in the U.S. It only reached number 76, which blows me away because this still gets heavy radio airplay to this day. And I don't know if it's so long or, or what it is, but this is an amazing song. You know, this is written about Jimmy. He's finally having his personal crisis it's hit that rock bottom like in the previous, you know, Dr. Jimmy. And he really feels like he has nothing left to live for. But he, he actually does find solace and spiritual redemption in the pouring rain, which is how this song opens up. He steals a boat and he takes it out to sea. Now, I'm not sure if you put a scooter on that boat or what, because it ends up in the in the drink, you know, on the back of the album. But 
once again, this is an amazing vocal performance. What are your thoughts on this song, Austin? I can't think of a better way to end this album. I think going back to The Rock, where we kind of missed Daltrey's vocals, I think coming back to this, it makes up for it plenty, right? I think mm-hmm. this, like you said, is probably one of the best showcases of his uh, of his vocals, and I think it's a great song. I think the instruments are perfect in this as well, and the storytelling. Like I said, just great way to end the album, kind of ties everything together, and it's just a overall good song. Great, great ending. What do you think, Tyler? Oh, absolutely. This is a very intense song. I can't think of a better way to close out the album. You know, hearing the story about Roger Daltrey going in and recording those vocals afterwards, those really intense screams, because I'm sure most people have heard this song uh, from the radio if they don't, if they haven't heard it in the context of Quadrophenia. This is my first time hearing it in the context of Quadrophenia. It puts a whole new spin on it and gives me a whole new appreciation for this song from the rain uh, opening the song to the, the last thought that I had on this uh, was for only having three songs. This was an extremely intense side of this album, this final side hearing Roger Daltrey sing love rain or me rain or me rain or me thinking about it. Like uh, Jimmy running to the, the sea looking for his redemption. He's finding that redemption and that intensity is this rejoicing or just more fundamental than that. It's so primal and carnal fundamental to the human experience. This is what people get baptized for. You know, they're looking for that redemption and he's found it. So I think this is a, a great way to close out the album, and it's the cherry on top of the Sunday for me. <laughs> Justin, what do you think? Well, I mean, I'll echo what both of you said. Perfect song to close the album. And it makes you wonder what happened to Jimmy. You sure know, did, did he get his wish, and was suicide the answer? Did he end up happy? What, what happened? I mean, it's kind of hard to tell in this song. Watch the movie, you kind of know a little more. But as far as the song, it, it kind of leaves that up in the air, but it also does put the point on top that everything's okay now. We don't know how that ended, but I love how the song opens up with the rain, thunderstorm, and it goes into a good slow piano and then into the drums, drums kind of sounding like thunder almost, which Mm -hmm. I really like. And then it's got good acoustic with a decent bass line, an amazing bass line, I should say. The vocals, once again, make this song. I love the way the bass hits. If you listen to it in the pre-chorus, the way that bass just thumps, it is absolutely amazing. The drums in the chorus are once again, quintessential Keith Moon and amazing. Pete Townsend has a lot of good little guitar licks in it that just really add to the song and they're perfect for the song. This is another song that maybe the drums are pretty subdued in this one for Keith Moon. Probably the second song that they're not really out there, at least for Keith Moon anyways, you know, and I love the synth in this song again. And once again, I don't like synthesizer very well, but the way they use it in this album is just perfect because it's just used slightly. It sounds perfect. Roger Daltrey's controlled screams in this are just perfect. I love the vocal and I I love the ending. This whole song is a great ending, but the last word he screams is love. And it just kind of goes out on that. And I, I can't think of a better way to end this album. It's an amazing song. I've always loved this song. I've always loved this album. So great way to do it. All right. Are we ready for winners and losers? You want to do winners and losers? I think so. Winners and losers. Okay. So 
We've got three of us this time, so it's our own podcast, so choose what you want to do. Choose two or three of your least favorite songs. And Austin, why don't you go first? Well, I would say that this is very hard to pick non-winners on this, but I would say that just from my point of view, I don't love instrumentals as much. So I would say probably The Rock and I Am The Sea. Probably some of my least favorite, but that does not mean in any way that I don't like them. I just think they're probably my least favorites just due to them being instrumentals, but... Did Austin take the easy way out on that one? He might have, but at the same time, I'm going to agree with him. <laughs> There's not really an easy way out of this. It's yeah. it's hard to find ones that aren't good on this album or that don't fit. So is that where you stand, Tyler, with two instrumentals? One of mine, one of my least favorites is The Rock, the instrumental, just because I feel like we were robbed of uh, Roger Daltrey. My other least favorite is Is It In My Head? That one messed with me stairs and then sea and sand sea and sand i like the song i just didn't have a lot of notes to jot down about it and that's why i put it as least favorite i, I figure that when it comes to the <laughs> the um, winners and losers i have to i have to go off of some sort of criteria and that one lost just because i don't have a lot of notes to write down about it whereas all the other songs i've got lots of notes well, what are your losers well this is my podcast so I'm going to table that or abscond from that. Okay. And I'm going to tell you right now, as an album, there can't be a loser on this one. It's good to be the king, isn't it? Well, I just can't. (laughs) Even even the instrumentals for me, as much as how important this album is, they can't be left off. Even though, I mean, if I were, that would probably be that. But they're so critical to the album. You know, maybe not to the story, but just the musical journey of the album as well. And so... This album is definitely a Desert Island album for me, which probably foreshadows what I'm going to rate this album at. But I cannot uh, pick a loser on this album because it just fits fits together too well. And uh, so for me, I can't. I guess that you're going to have to pick your not three favorites, but now six favorites, aren't you? I, I don't know. We'll see where we can go that. The favorite favorites are a little easier for me on this one. So, yeah. Austin, what are your favorites on this? Two or three, whatever you prefer. Yeah, I would say... My favorites, and these are in no order. I would say Love, Rain Over Me is probably one of my favorites. I just think, again, like I said, it's a great ending to the album. Great vocals by Roger Daltrey and just overall great song. Another one I would say is Bellboy. I I love hearing Keith in that. I love his drumming, his vocals. Another great song. And then I would say uh, my third one is probably 515. Again, just great instruments, great vocals. And well, it's kind of the song that I think of when I think. Of yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You did say that song really makes you think quadrophenia. Yeah, which I I get that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Tyler? Right. What are your winners? My winners, Bellboy's up there. I adore Keith Moon. I just uh, I couldn't love that man anymore if he was my own child. Other favorites are the real me. Boy, it just really had so much that it's the second song on the on the first side, and it just lays it all out for exactly what it is. It's just, it's so perfect going in after that, what I consider to be the overture. I think we all considered that to be the overture. Um, so the, the second song just set the pace and I loved it. I love that uh, final song, love rain over me, but it's not, it, it got beat out by Dr. Jimmy. Dr. Jimmy was just so poetic in the way it was written. I had so much love for that song and the, the metaphors, the comparison of the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, sort of thing uh dr jimmy mr jimmy it was so beautiful and uh so that one actually beat out love rain or me because i felt like love rain or me 
was growing, going for the low-hanging fruit. It's so easy to love that song. I just wanted to ha- to have a song that I had, wanted to I wanted to love a song even more. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Them's my winners. <laughs> what are your winners, Justin? <laughs> you know, obviously I didn't list any losers, and I don't think there is a loser on this album at all. It's a perfect album. If I were to pick my favorite songs on this album, and this is in no particular order because they're all important to it, but if I was to hear the songs separate like I do sometimes out of the Quadrophenia story, I'm with you, Tyler, on one of them, The Real Me. That's that's a good song, separate or together, but also as far as the album is concerned, it's very important to it because it does set things. Then obviously to end the album, Love Rain Over Me, I love that song. I like what it does to the album. I like it in the context of the album because it's a perfect cap, but I also think it's an amazing song just on its own. And another song I really love and it sticks out to me is I'm One. I really like Pete Townsend's vocals in that. I like the acoustic slow song start up to it picks up really quick and like every song you know it's it's amazing bass line drums everything in it and that's the one thing the who are one of my favorite bands of all time no doubt about it they're just the best band every one of them is the best at what they do i think pete townsend is probably the best single songwriter there has been in history in my opinion and I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but best single songwriter. I mean, he single-handedly wrote pretty much everything The Who ever did. And what he did with the rock operas, what he did with the guitar, you know, and the power chords. And, and then the theatrics are another thing on top of The Who. And but then the synthesizer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's just amazing at what <laughs> he does. And it's a band that has the best rock and roll singer, the best rock and roll writer, the best rock and roll drummer, and the best rock and roll bass player mm-hmm. ever. And they're not my favorite band even. So take that for what it is. But those are my favorite songs. So do you guys want to get to the album rating? Let's rate it. Album rating. Okay, Tyler, why don't you explain our album rating process? Okay. Um, if this is your first time listening, uh, shame on you. Um <laughs> Now, if this is your first time listening uh, and you want to know how our rating system goes, we go on a scale of 0 to 10. 0, it's junk, and 10, it's perfect. So right smack dab in the middle is where we have 5, where uh, you can take it or leave it. Just kind of a meh album. So we... uh, we sometimes do it on a half a half step scale so like we have been given things 7.5 6.5 in the past this one i i, I don't know that we can go 10.5 but uh, that is our album rating and if uh, we give it a 0 we burn the album if we give it a 10 i go out and buy it and you, you're the listener you won't have any idea whether we do that or not so yes but you have lived up to your promise so far i have yeah of course, you've never rated anything a zero, and it's generally my album, so I'm not going to yeah. let you burn my album. So if you yeah. rate something to zero, you'll probably have to buy it and burn it. Yeah. Which is kind of strange. Yeah, exactly. But hey, I, I, I've done uh, more eccentric things in the past, so yeah. Yes, you have. I'm so, game. <laughs> so Austin, what would you say after listening to Quadrophenia, all four sides, what do you rate this album? I would rate it a 10. I, I really do think it's a perfect album. I, I think, um, you know, if I had to sit down and write a list of... 10 albums that I think everyone should listen to. This would definitely be on the list. No questions about it. So I think it's a great album. What about you, Tyler? Okay. You know, this album really is a 10. And yet after the listening to it, I wrote down my album rating before I could be prejudiced by 
peer pressure. So, um, <laughs> which is something you suffer from. I suffer so greatly. Yes, from you it. do. Because now I I know that you guys are both uh, tens and I'm an eight. Because that's where I wrote it down. I gave it an eight. What's wrong with me? I don't know. This album is beautiful. It's a masterpiece. After talking about it with you, it fleshed it out all the more, and it started to it started to sink in even more the significance of this album and the beauty of it. Um, I'm wrong, and I gave it an eight. Is this your first time listening to it all the way through? Yes, it is. I think that rating may go up as you listen to it more. It already has. It's it should be like right now. If I was to write it down, it's a nine. Here he goes. It's coming to peer pressure again. <laughs> this is this is this album is a ten, and um, I am wrong. You just went from eight to nine to ten. Yeah, I know. So we'll take Tyler's album rating of an eight. And I'll be honest with you. I remember precisely mm-hmm. being in high school, yeah. and I was at a little wedding, and this little band was playing, and. I was wearing a Who shirt, and I had heard Who's Next uh, from my father a lot, Mm -hmm. and I'd heard all the Who's hits, big hits, you know. I remember I was talking, because I play guitar, and I was fiddling around with guitar, Mm -hmm. this band, they were just playing in a backyard with a bunch of people at the wedding, and he asked me, he says, oh, so you like the Who, obviously, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I love them, and he says, if you listen to Quadrophenia, it's their very best album. Well, at the time, I think I knew Love Rain Over Me. I might have known mm-hmm. 515, maybe even The Real Me, the the popular songs off the album as far as commercially. And I hadn't. And I listened to it. I went and bought it on CD the next week or something like that. And the first time I listened to it, I really didn't care for it. Other than those few kind of poppy, more radio-friendly songs. Mm-hmm. You know, I like those, but I didn't get it. I've listened to the Quadrophenia thousands of times now. And I love the album, and that's if I could give it higher than a ten, I would, and mm-hmm. I guess I can if I want. But for ten me, it's for right. me, it's a it's a it's a desert island album yeah. again. Once for me, it's in my top five albums of all time, without a doubt. And so is Who's Next. The Who are not my favorite band. I think, as you well know, the Beatles are my mm-hmm. favorite band, and I would say probably the Who and the Doors. I both adore. I really enjoy all the Beatles albums. I really enjoy all the Doors albums. I don't enjoy all the Who albums. I really don't. But you take Tommy, Who's Next, and Quadrophenia, and those albums, those three albums are just as strong or stronger. And and Live at Leeds. Let's throw Live at Leeds in there because I did say that the Who is the best live band and the best rock band ever, and I'm going to stick by that. But yeah, definitely a 10 for me. This album has... It means a lot to me. I listen to it frequently. I've seen The Who play Quadrophenia live. Of course, this was in their later years. I think I seen them in 2012, maybe. And I'd like to go see them again. I did see them one other time with Austin. They they play amazing. Still. It was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy for for how old they are. I mean, yeah, and they have so energetic. And they have Ringo Starr's kid Zach plays drums for them, and oh, Pete, really? Pete Townsend's brother plays the guitar. And would have loved to seen the Who in their heyday when they were the yeah. loudest rock and roll band in history, and they just rocked everything out, just like this poster right here on my wall we're yeah. looking at. I would have loved to seen the Who in the mid seventies, but of course. I wasn't old enough to, but I'm just so thrilled that Pete Townsend exists and that he can levitate. The man can fly. He's an amazing musician. And I am wrong. And let me tell you something, gentlemen. When future Tyler listens to this episode and finds that I gave it an, a rating of an eight, future Tyler's going to come back to present Tyler and kick his ass. Well, you ought to give the <laughs> album a few more listens and just see yeah. where you fall with it because it, it is a good listen, but it's not for everybody. And I think yeah. it is kind of 
a hidden gem even in the Who catalog because you look at it. Yeah. Tommy, 20 million album sales. Who's next? 4 million album mm-hmm. sales. Quadrophenia, 1.5 million album sales, mm-hmm. which isn't too shabby, but I think it far surpasses Tommy without a doubt, yeah. and it really rivals Who's Next, in my opinion. Well, yeah, there's uh, very few songs that can top uh, Uncle Ernie fiddling about, and they're all on this album. Yeah, and I, I think, like I said earlier, I think Tommy is much better live. This album, and I don't know because sonically it's better because it's some years down the road from Tommy, and so... Th- this album's a bit more grown up, too. Technologically, there was advances mm-hmm. made in the studio and things like that yeah. that made the sound of this much just better sonically, because mm-hmm. this, this album, even the original album before any of the remasters, is beautiful sonically. It's, it's a great-sounding album. Do you know what my problem is? Is initially going into this, I'd seen the movie, hadn't listened to the album. So uh, it was tainted by the poor quality of the movie. <laughs> well, give the, give the album a few more listens and let us know back what you oh, think. Absolutely. This is, a, this is a beautiful album. I'm very pleased that I got to listen to it. But until then, that's our second episode covering up Quadrophenia by The Who. And of happy 50th anniversary. Yeah. Happy 50th anniversary to Quadrophenia. And I'm sure we'll revisit another Who album at some point. If you disagree, agree, you're pissed off at us, want to let us know we're wrong, right, whatever, send us an email, the classic vinyl podcast at gmail.com. And we will read it over the air if you like. If you want to stay anonymous, let us know. If you don't want it to be read, if you just want to vent to us in private, we can do that too. But until next time, this is Justin, Tyler, and Austin. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates and also share us with your music-loving friends.